The CECC reported 87 local COVID cases and 152 imported cases on Thursday. Both figures set new daily records for the year so far. The new local cases were found in 11 cities and counties. New Taipei was worst hit, followed by Jilong and Taoyuan. One local case was detected on the outlying county of Jingmen. On Thursday, the CECC says it had closed the case on three investigations of mystery transmission chains. Three new mystery chains emerged on Thursday, which means the CECC is now tracking 19 unknown sources of infection. With a long weekend just around the corner, the CECC urged the public to get vaccinated and boosted to protect against severe illness. A Taiwanese team of bakers has returned home after winning the so-called Olympics of Bread in France. The three bakers and their coach won gold at Coupe de Monde de la Boulangerie. But shortly after they landed in Taiwan on Thursday, bad news marred their triumphant return. The coach of the team tested positive for COVID and is now in a medical facility for treatment. They appear at the arrival gate, waving the national flag. Team Taiwan is back home after winning the Olympics of bread in France. They were very diligent and they lived up to their own expectations. We're very moved to have received this award and very excited. We are really happy that the three of us worked together as a team and that we were recognized by the judges. Coach Wu Xian and his team of three bakers spoke to the cameras while waiting for the PCR test results. Ground staff of their airline welcomed them with a celebratory banner. But when it was time for a group photo, the coach was nowhere to be seen. His PCR test had come out positive, and so he was taken to a medical facility straight from the airport. Just days earlier, the team had hugged in celebration at the award ceremony, where they sang Taiwan's national anthem and posed for photos with a flag. Under Wu's leadership, the team beat out 10 other teams for the prestigious industry title for the first time in Taiwan history. Following news of the coach's diagnosis, supporters wished him a swift recovery. With case numbers rising in many parts of Taiwan, Taipei Mayor Ko Enzhe wants the CECC to make its COVID policy clear. The mayor says the CECC should decide once and for all whether it wants to go zero COVID or shift to coexistence. Let's hear from him. If we are moving toward lifting restrictions, you have to make it clear to the public what costs that will entail. We have not yet reached the point of making a decision on the matter. Taiwan's infection rate is at 0.001%. Abroad, when they say they want to coexist with COVID, they are doing so with infection rates of 20% or more. The circumstances in these two cases are completely different. Compared with overseas, our infection rates are low, so we'll first try to maintain the safety of our community. If the engines that drive the GDP, such as exports, investments and consumption, aren't able to operate normally, of course there would be a significant reduction and decline in the growth rate. France lifted most of its restrictions before Germany. They decided to switch to living with COVID sooner. And now we see that France's economy is doing better than Germany's. 
One expert says that a zero-COVID approach comes hand-in-hand hand with restrictions on daily life. He said that if Taiwan wants to support economic growth, its only solution is to boost its vaccination rate and shift toward an approach of living with COVID. In recent weeks of power outages in Taiwan have drawn attention to issues with grid stability. On Wednesday, the Industrial Technology Research Institute convened a forum on the challenges of the national grid. Thai power personnel, academics and other professionals shared their expertise as they explored ways to stabilize the electricity system. Thai power technicians rushed to make repairs at the site of a glitch in the electricity network. In recent weeks, grid stability issues have been a focal point for national debate. On Wednesday, the Industrial Technology Research Institute convened experts and industry players at a forum exploring solutions for the grid. E-Tree emphasized the need to improve the resilience of Taiwan's electricity system. It's to prevent the incident from expanding, to prevent the incident from dragging on too long. That's the purpose of protection coordination and distribution systems. That's the direction that our smart grid project is moving in. The goal is to minimize the scope of the incident. Electrical energy management requires long-term planning for everything from tech development to talent cultivation. At the forum, scholars stress the importance of having third-party oversight. This agency would set our operation standards, our operating plans, our plan for the next 10 years. This summer and this winter, will my power supply be stable? Taiwan's economic growth has driven up electricity consumption. As a result, industry players have been working closely with Thai Power to stabilize the energy system. Last year, Thai Power activated an energy trading platform to consolidate privately owned reserve capacity. So far, there are 18 private companies connected through the platform, helping to keep the national grid operating smoothly. When Thai Power needs to, we use adaptive scheduling and information notification methods to achieve a response at the desired time. This not only helps Thai Power stabilize the power system, it also enables the harnessing of private electrical resources that improves the efficient use of the nation's overall resources. Concerns on grid stability are growing, especially ahead of high projected summer demand. At Wednesday's forum, officials, academics and industry players explored ways to address the challenges of the national grid. This weekend is Tomb Sweeping Festival, and spring rolls will be in high demand. At one local stall in Jiayi, chefs will be working round the clock for days to meet demand. The stall is well known for its spring roll wrappers that are still as good as grandma's. Every year, the stall produces thousands of caddies of the wrappers. With one hand, the chef deftly stretches out the dough and lays it on the hot plate in an even circle. Without blinking, she pulls the rest of the dough back up and onto the next plate for another round. See, this is how you do it. It's thin, transparent, a spring roll wrapper. The spring roll wrappers here are so thin you can see through them, but not a single bump is allowed. They're strong and have a bite too, very satisfying. Old customers will never forget the taste, and many come back to get their fix each tomb sweeping festival. I have to come every year. I buy five caddies or more every time. You have to book them in advance. You have to fight to get them before someone else. 
The reason for this doll's 80-year renown is not just the skills on show out front. There's a secret recipe to the dough, giving it a special chewy but soft bite. You have to use the three settings on the machine, soft, medium, and strong, and mix the dough for at least half an hour. There's a secret recipe, handed down over three generations. That's the trick. Now every year, the stall produces thousands of catties of wrappers in anticipation of demand. We start working 24 hours a day for the three or four days leading up to it. Yes, the weekend will be non-stop for these cooks as they work flat out to meet demand. With the stall now in the hands of its fourth generation, the taste of the old days is as popular as ever. The third edition of the Falling Walls Lab competition in Taipei will be held this June. During the event, university students get three minutes each to present their research and innovation ideas in English. Registration is now open till May 10th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has the details. This is the 2021 Falling Walls Lab winner, Yang Kai-wen of National Taiwan University. She represented Taiwan in the global finals in November with travel expenses sponsored by the German Academic Exchange Service. She attended the Berlin Science Week and joined winners of the Falling Walls Lab around the world to present their projects. It was very interesting. It focused on medicine, education, environmental protection, culture, industry, just about any field. They talked about the latest research and opinions. It was very innovative. During her trip, she also visited several universities and received advice about her plans to pursue a PhD. There, I met with a few professors and got to understand their areas of research. I also learned what kind of students their lab is looking for. It was pretty helpful. The Fallings Wall Lab is organized by the German Institute in Taiwan and the German Academic Exchange. Students must be at least 18 years old to apply. Sign-ups are now open online and will close on May 10th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Yan Wenqian in Taipei. Amid the Russia-Ukraine war, the U.S. had been closely monitoring the Taiwan Strait. In a Senate hearing on Tuesday, a top American general confirmed that there had been a discussion on how the West would react to an invasion of Taiwan. Air Force General Todd Walters said that the West's response to Russia today was helping the U.S. model its potential reaction to a Chinese attack. We have established a task force on the Russia-Ukraine war to monitor the situation there. We're conducting exchanges on the issue not just with the U.S., but many other countries as well. We're holding discussions with all the countries that we regularly interact with. The defense minister said Taiwan was looking closely at the situation in Ukraine and that Taiwan was holding exchanges with the U.S. on the matter. During a recent Senate hearing, a top American general said he discussed the war in Ukraine and its implications for Taiwan with U.S. Indo-Pacific Commander John Aquilino. The two had discussed how Western allies should respond in the event of a Chinese attack. We've shared thoughts uh, about what Russia has done with respect to its physical actions in the vicinity of Ukraine and its activities outside of Ukraine with its so-called allies and partners and the impact that it has on the actual execution. And Admiral Aquilino is obviously very interested in that because he faces a scenario that's reasonably similar to this with respect to Taiwan and, and how we examine uh, the U.S. response, the allies and partners' response uh, will help image Admiral Aquilino in, in working his way through 
some of the tough spots that we anticipate that he'll have to work with in the future. Since the start of the Russia-Ukraine war, Aquilino has expressed concerns over a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. Given the military imbalance in the Taiwan Strait, Taiwan has been urged to ramp up its deterrence to make China realize that an invasion would come at a heavy price. A successful military operation against Taiwan would require constant resupply, either by air or by sea. That is why Taiwan has invested in critical asymmetrical capabilities, such as sophisticated air defenses and shore-to-ship missiles, to pose an invading PLA force with multiple dilemmas, to convince the PRC it cannot succeed, embodying the principle of deterrence by denial. In the bid to keep China contained, Washington is closely monitoring developments in the Taiwan Strait. Taiwan's mandatory conscription period is about to get longer, but how long it gets and when it will happen are still under government review. There's nothing final on the books, but prospective conscripts are already looking for ways to avoid a longer conscription. Elected officials say their phones are ringing off the hook with inquiries about how to join the military early. On Thursday, the defense minister addressed the rush to sign up, saying that public anxiety was inevitable. He apologized for the lack of clarity surrounding the policy, but said that the work on the contract plan was progressing according to schedule. Soldiers simulate an attack against beach targets. With 105mm howitzers at the ready, they wait for the order to fire. This is a drill in Taiwan's new reservist program, a rigorous regimen that's been embraced by its participants. Even though I am half Taiwanese and half German, I was born and raised in Taiwan. I am willing to take to the battlefield for this country, my homeland. Reservist Liu Boyi says he's willing to fight for Taiwan, but others are less eager to join military service. Some men hope to complete their four-month conscription early, before the service period goes up to 10 months or even a year. Even before the extension plan is finalized, parents and prospective conscripts are calling up their elected representatives, inquiring about ways to enlist early. On average, I've been getting 10 to 20 calls a day, plus messages on the internet and over line. They're all asking whether they can start conscription early. But at this point in time, Taoyuan can only call up conscripts born around 1999, so there's a bit of a traffic jam. You can only wait in line if you want to enter military service. I know that there are many parents and young people who are in a hurry, so I want to apologize to them. Parental concern and anxiety from students are inevitable, because there are many questions they don't have the answers to. If they want definite answers from me, I apologize to everyone, because at this time I do not have definitive answers. We are progressing according to the schedule. The defense chief apologized for causing anxiety with the plan to extend the conscription period. At the legislative yuan, a lawmaker said that conscripts should get a pay raise. Currently, a conscript at the rank of private gets 6,510 NT a month, which comes out to 217 NT a day. The lawmaker said that reservists were paid nearly five times more, or 1,050 NT a day. The basic wage of conscripts appears not to have been adjusted since I myself was a soldier. Regarding their wage, we should at least consider to at least discuss the possibility of a raise. Lawmaker, I promise that it will be discussed. It must be discussed. The minister pledged to reassess conscripts' wages toward the goal of ensuring fair treatment.
The executive yuan says it will expand its rental subsidy program. First, it will make it easier for renters to qualify by raising the upper income limit for subsidies. In the future, renters will qualify if they make less than three times rather than 2.5 times the lowest cost of living set by the government. Under this new criterion, the number of eligible households is expected to go up from 120,000 to 500,000. The executive yuan will grant additional subsidies to young single adults, newlyweds, families with minor children and disadvantaged groups. Let's hear from the executive yuan. 57亿, Originally, this was a 5.7 billion NT plan. Now it's 30 billion NT. It covers young adults who have just entered society, newlyweds, and people with children, as well as disadvantaged groups. Not only that, the residence types it covers are different from before. Before, rooftop extensions and illegal dwellings weren't covered, but this time around they are. In Taipei, for example, raising the multiplying factor to 3 means that if your average monthly income is less than 56,046 NT, you are eligible. As long as you don't own a house and you have proof that you are renting, you can apply for these subsidies. Of course it would be a good thing if the government offered more subsidies to renters. In the past, these programs have ended up giving very little to very few people. So I think this is a good start. Although rental subsidies have been available for years, many under-the-table landlords discouraged their tenants from applying, as that could trigger government scrutiny. On Thursday, the executive yuan said the expanded program should be able to reach more renters due to recent revisions to the Housing Act. The revised act eases the tax burden of declared rental properties by raising the tax exemption to 15 NT a month per rental home. It also adjusted the land value tax and house tax rates for rental properties so that they're comparable with the rates for self-occupied homes. Big hotels are dangling enormous discounts as the quintuplest stimulus voucher scheme draws to a close. Introduced last year to buoy up the economy, the vouchers have sparked many a discount and promotional giveaway. The vouchers will go out of use at the end of April. If you still got your sitting in the drawer, a decadent weekend away might be just the way to spend them. A roast beef steak is carved up, revealing a tender, juicy center. Meanwhile, a stir-fry sizzles in the pan before joining a buffet spread. Big hotels are licking their lips at the imminent demise of the quintuple stimulus voucher scheme at the end of April. With just a month left to use the vouchers, they want to attract the custom of last-minute spenders. Bring a quintuple stimulus voucher to this hotel restaurant and you can redeem it for up to 150% of its face value. We have a flash sale every week. We're hoping to increase profits at least 20% by the end of April when the quintuple stimulus vouchers finish. There are different promotions each week until the end of April. In an attempt to attract more visitors to the hotel on weekdays, there are room upgrades on offer alongside banquets of lobster and ribs. We launched the promotion and within less than 30 hours, we had almost 250 room bookings. Compared to the bad periods of the pandemic, we realize people have less fear around traveling than they used to, perhaps because everyone has had full vaccinations now, of course. 
The Grand Hyatt Taipei is dangling a Boston Lobster and Pork Rib Special for hotel guests. At the Regent Taipei and Sheraton Grand Taipei, vouchers win buy one get one free for room bookings. At the Fulon Hotel Danshui, if you use a 3,000 NT value voucher on rooms, you'll get an extra 999 NT in value, giving you a stay in the luxury suite with views of the metropolis. As the vouchers near the last hurrah, big hotels are determined to net as many more patrons as they can. One of the most beloved is the Great Face Bazaar, which is such a reliable visitor, it's known here for the tomb sweeping bird. We accompanied a group of international students on a trip up to Hanshan to admire some of Taiwan's most awe-inspiring birds. A flock of birds takes to the wing, wheeling in the air. About 20 individuals can be seen in the stately performance. For 30 or 40 years, the Bagua Plateau has attracted a wide array of birds of prey as they head out on migration around Tomb Sweeping Festival. The majority are gray-faced buzzards, about 30,000 of which have been counted here. Gray-faced buzzards are a bird of prey that we hardly ever see entering the country. They land on Baguashan to recharge. They fly over from Siberia and rest on Baguashan, eating lizards and mice and snakes to replenish their energy. The buzzards may look tame and gentle, but don't be fooled. With a body 49 centimeters long and a wingspan of 110 centimeters, they're nicknamed the tomb-sweeping birds for their annual appearance around April. The guardians of Tri-Mountain National Scenic Area invited international students from 12 schools in 13 different countries on a special day trip. Here at the Hawk Walking Terrace on Nanto's Hengshan, they enjoyed a hot pot lunch and admired the magnificent creatures. Officials hope these will be the Taiwan Tourism Ambassadors of tomorrow.